Hey there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Crossbar Podcast. I'm your host once again, Josh, joined by Benno, as always. How you going, mate? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you holding up? Oh, mate, what a hectic week it was last week. Chaos, friggin' wifey in hospital, friggin' $1,500 later at the vet for the dog. Um, yeah, absolute chaos. Thanks for holding up the thought. That's right, mate. I, ho- I hope I lived, my- I lived up to your... Um... <laughs> Your professional standards. Ah, uh, mate, mate, absolutely. Done, done a cracking job with the boys. And obviously, uh, uh, who we have on, Lee, Stephen Lustica. Yeah, Stephen Lustica and the boys from the All Out West Boy. podcast. Absolutely, yeah. No, thanks to those guys. Um, obviously, before we go any further, big shout out to Gabrielle Ma, optometrist at Jesmond. Um, yeah, please go see those guys for all your eye care needs. It is greatly appreciated, and we do thank them for everything they do for the podcast. Lockie Ma, um, get your exclamation mark specs in the chat. Absolutely. Exclamation mark specs, which I'm wearing right now. Blue light glasses, courtesy of, obviously, Gabriel Ma. They are doing wonders, obviously, for my eyes on the screen. So, I'll, get my, I'll get my test, and I'll get my set. So pretty much on tonight's show, guys, we are lucky enough to be joined by Daniel Garb, former Fox Sports. Um, he's pretty much covered everything you can think of down to the Ashes and bloody um, Premier League in general, the Premier League, obviously over in England, pretty much everything. So how are you, mate? Good, boys. Thanks for having me on. I'm just uh, fascinated our two Newcastle Jets fans have landed up in Victoria. What's, what's the deal there? <laughs> Mate, I'm a, I'm a born and bred Nova Castrian. Um, you know, freaking love, love the Jets and obviously everything they stand for. And obviously I moved down here about eight years ago and met my wonderful wife, so that's why I'm still here. And Ben somewhat didn't really have a side at the time. He, he had a victory jacket and... He's no. been to a few games, so I figured easy, easy convert here. We'll um, convert him straight over to a to a Jets fan, and he's been that ever since. So, <laughs> well, that explains it. Good on you for staying loyal to uh, your hometown club, at least, boys. No, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, obviously, the same for you, mate. You're a you're you're a Perth boy through and through. I'm sure. I am. I'm a, a Perth boy, bred, born in South yeah. Africa, but bred in Perth. So, yeah. I always loved. Football, obviously, the Premier League and football abroad, but you know, got into the local scene as well. And when the glory emerged in 1996, well, I was hooked pretty much straight away and went a lot in the NSL days. And uh, you know, you get a bit more removed from it in terms of a fan as you, you know, step into the media and so on. You just become so invested in the game as a whole. But uh, I was certainly, I certainly look out for their results and, and have a stronger affinity to the glory than any other club. And that will never change. Yeah, no, absolutely. I believe you're a West Coast, massive, massive West Coast fan too in the AFL. I am a big Eagles fan. I uh, love them <laughs> since I was young and uh, do love uh, Aussie Rules footy as well, along with many other sports. I'm currently panicking my way through a fantasy football preliminary final, <laughs> which is worth a lot of money. So uh, I'm fully invested in this, boys, but I've got one eye on the scoreboard as nah, well. Mate, <laughs> boys, along okay. Absolutely. It's all about the dosh. <laughs> um, it's all yeah, about the football. Perfect. Football's always the winner. Absolutely. Oh wait, can can we say that on our podcast? Absolutely, we can. Football is the number one. Not not. I can't ASL do it. Much. I can't do it in my best Jimmy Bullard accent though. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, speaking of freaking Perth, we um, I've been speaking to Jamie Harnwell, and we should have him on the next couple of weeks. The true, nice. um, true Perth glory, tragic, I suppose. He's been oh. there forever, and Heart um, and soul. yeah, two hundred plus games, give or take. That's without me even really looking at it, but it had, it's got to be over two hundred plus. He was. Oh, yeah. He was there for ages. Um, pretty much a one-boy club. So, But, yeah, no, we'll, um, as I said, guys, in the chat, if you've got any questions and so forth, please whack them in there. Football-related, obviously, from England to the A-League. Um, it's good to have a Liverpool fan on here as well. That's great. <laughs> Something I don't really get all that often. Oh, Lukey boy in the chat won't be happy. <laughs> no, nah, it's all right, mate. It's all right. United fans, it's, it's our time. It's our time. They had their time under Fergie, so... Um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy the time while we've still got it. So, obviously, as I said, mate, you're a diehard Liverpool fan. How did you celebrate the victory? Oh, well, there wasn't really, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, a way that we could celebrate it because uh, we couldn't gather with the Liverpool fans over here. And I, pretty much uh, restrictions had sort of eased in Sydney, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you couldn't exactly go out and have a, a big gathering or anything like that at that stage. So... Just enjoyed Correct. it at home and, you know, it was sort of spread out over 
uh, the day that we we won the league, and then the day we got to lift the trophy as well. So it was spread out over those two uh, two events. So enjoyed them both and got a bit emotional about it all. But uh, you know, I was also there the year before when we won the Champions League and got to enjoy that in Liverpool um, oh. with the fans and be oh. part of the parade and so on. So I can't complain at all about not so having a proper celebration for this. Bloody hell! What, what a what a what a what a lifetime that would be. What a what an amazing moment, you know, obviously, as far as, well, again, you know, we City Bias, obviously, you know, some of the best fans, I think, in the world, um, you know, for me, obviously not being there, 93, 94,000 at the MCG when we played victory, for me, that was intense. It was just such a massive feeling, obviously, goosebumps when they played You Never Walk Alone, and obviously, then I think it was a couple of years later, we travelled to Brisbane and Adelaide um, to watch them, obviously, on a little bit of a, you know, road trip, I suppose. Which was um pretty impressive, but yeah, what what a season, mate! What a season, Henderson, the miracle, um, the bloke that cops so much shit and yeah. so much crap off everybody, you know, sixteen million, I think it was sixteen million pounds roughly. I think it was we picked him up, and everyone was thinking it was way too much, and you know, he, fin- he finally gets something that's unfortunately Stephen Gerrard never did. So, what, what are your what are your thoughts, mate, on Henderson? Is is he one of the best? Um, one of the best in what way? I mean, he's not one of the best players. Well, one of the best, obviously. I suppose it's hard. To, I suppose you're right. One of the best, obviously. Um, at Liverpool, we'll say. Um, obviously, again, he's the captain. Obviously, he's you know he's been there forever now. So maybe um, in a leadership capacity. Yeah, I in mean, a leadership in Paris. Yeah, he's no doubt he's one of the best leaders the club's ever had. I mean, what he's done is is incredible. Um, the way in which. He rose through all the abuse that he copped, which, you know, I was I remember going to his debut. And um, you know, he was played out on the right-hand side, which is not his natural position. And yeah. he was given some some leeway in his first season or, or so, but there was still a lot of question marks. You know, is this guy worth £60 million? Is he a proper right winger? And eventually they worked him into the midfield. And, you know, he, he did some pretty good things, but he also copped a bit. And, uh, you know, eventually he... He won over the fans, but you know, a lot of other players would have succumbed to that criticism, not only from the fans for not being good enough, but then from mm. many others who said he's not well equipped to captain Liverpool because he's not Steven Gerrard, which is just a ridiculous slur that he had to cop. And yeah. you know, the mental strength that he's shown personally has been amazing, but then also to, to basically lead the team amid all of that. I'm not sure how many other players in or sports people would have been able to do that. I'm really not. I just don't mm. think there would have been many that would have got through it. Um, so an amazing leader and Something like that just lifts everyone around. It just does. It gives everyone such a big um, sense of belief, I think. And then he's football. He's a damn good player as well. I mean, he should yeah. not be degraded in that way. He's a fantastic footballer. And some of the crappy cops, you know, from England fans as well, is just being rubbish and being yeah. shy and all the social media stuff, just easy little tags that people chuck around, just rubbish. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just admired him enormously. I've always thought he was a very good footballer on the field, but as a leader, just fantastic. And, uh, you know, he's just simply one of the best captains Liverpool's ever had already. And hopefully he's got a bit more to win. I think it's very yeah. much the fact of um, it was a masterstroke to sell Lucas Laver at the time that they did, because I don't think without that, he would have come into his own in that defensive midfield role. True. No, he, and he can play that role. He can play as a number eight, box to box. And he's also very good around the box. He's not a, just a defensive player. That's why Liverpool signed him. I think I remember reading that when they signed him, they you know did a lot of statistical research and the chances he created in the final third of the pitch were as high as any other young midfielder in the Premier League during his time at Sunderland. So whenever he gets the ball in that area, he makes something happen, whether it's a shot or a little pass. So wherever you play him in the midfield, he's an asset. And uh, I've just, I love watching him in the Liverpool team. And for me, he's always in that first choice midfield three, as hard as it is for Klopp to pick, because he's got so many options there. Mm. Yeah, I suppose, obviously, that's the good thing at the moment. We're just sport for option. There's so much depth in the squad. Um, obviously, you know, we let... Depth in a Lallana. squad. Depth in a squad. Huh. That would be nice. <laughs> Mate, you know, unfortunately, down in the championship, you can't you can't have everything. Hey, we won <laughs> against playoff hope, hopefuls in our first game. I'll take that, considering we nearly got relegated last season. <laughs> yeah, obviously, Benno's a diehard Birmingham fan. Um, okay, you know, what's the, what's the what's the claim, Benno? Was it you? You played in Carlin Europe, Cup versus Arsenal? Yeah, we, well, one of the only English teams to be able to play <laughs> in a European competition whilst being in the championship. <laughs> 
know, you take it, you take it, I suppose, you take it. It's the little um, wins. It's the little wins. The little wins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, what were your thoughts, obviously, on the season, mate? Do you think, um, you know, like, I suppose Klopp is a... Klopp as a coach, he's he's phenomenal. What he's what he's done since he's been there. Um, hopefully, he hangs around for a couple more years. Um, but again, you know, obviously, I think the best thing that I of watching the season out was obviously the fact that there was no real individual, you know, standout. The whole team sort of come together. It's why obviously I think we are succeeding at the way we are. Obviously, they just gel like nothing else. You, as you said, you know, as I said, you know, the depth is so strong. You take someone out. You bring someone in, and then nothing really changes a great deal. Um, what did you What did you think of the season as a whole? I mean, remarkable, obviously. I mean, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the drought breaking season, thirty years, and to win it by eighteen points is just an extraordinary yeah. achievement. It's only lose one game before they won the title. Yeah. I mean, you know, people sometimes lose perspective on just how ridiculous that is. There have been plenty of title winning sides who have lost, you know closer to 10 games and gone on to win the, the title. Um, you know, Liverpool the season before only lost one game and still didn't win it. What this team has done mm. is just mind-boggling. And that's why it annoys me so much when fans complain about transfer dealings and things like that. I'm like, look what this team's achieved, the Champions League into a Premier League. Just have faith that they know what they're doing. And how on earth can you abuse them after what we've been given in, in the last couple of years? So, yeah, just incredible. And, and the mentality for me is just the most remarkable thing. I mean, seeing a Liverpool team do what Manchester United used to do for so many long mm. years, which is always find a way to score late in games. It's just yeah. such a great sign of belief and composure in a team that one all or one nil down, you know, 80th minute, they just know they'll be able to create a couple more chances and they'll back themselves to put one away and get that crucial goal. And, you know, it's just a sign of a team that is in complete control of of everything because yeah. you know United had that and won everything for years as a result and Liverpool's got it now and uh, again we saw it in the opening game against Leeds alright it's a shocking challenge but they've created that opportunity late when the game's level and, yeah. and then taken it so yeah and that's one of the most impressive aspects for mine because that's just the hallmark of a of a side that is all conquering yeah well that's that's exactly it um, you know opening game what, what a game you know what I mean? Obviously, there was definitely some mistakes, but at the same time, you can't take anything away from Leeds. Um, as I was talking to a good mate of mine who's a massive Leeds fan, and um, yeah, he was like, "Oh, you know, we'll get beat, but you know, it's all right." And I said, "I said, mate, I said, if anything, you guys and probably um, who else come up with it was West Brom, um, yeah, and yeah, Fulham, and Fulham, yeah, you, you, those three guys, uh, teams are the teams you don't want to be playing at the start because they're they're coming on so much." Momentum and they're banana skin teams. Yeah, they're still on a high and everything else, and obviously Leeds proved that because they played unbelievable football. And again, we were lucky enough to come away with it, which is fantastic. But again, they're going to be um, they're going to be hard to stop at least in the next say six to seven weeks, I think. And a top tier coach at the helm too. Yeah, that makes a big difference. That's That's a crucial part of it is when you've got someone like that who if you just set you up the same way in which the best managers in the world do. He doesn't have the same talent at his disposal, but you know, they just know that they are well-equipped to match it with the best Premier League teams like a Liverpool because they've got a manager who's been there and done it all before. And uh, yeah, that gives a, a squad so much confidence and belief. So, yeah, they'll be great to watch. They'll be entertaining. Um, you know, it's a long season. But, you know, without the squad depth, I'm not as bullish as them being, you know, guaranteed mid-table as some, but it yeah. would not surprise me at all if they pushed that high. Mm. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Hopefully they do better than um, Norwich did. Because I think like the start of last season, Norwich come out and obviously Pookie was, he was on dominant. He was on fire and everything. And I was like, holy shit, yeah, here we go. Norwich might do something. And then unfortunately, just the wheels fell off and the depth wasn't there and the, you know, the squad, obviously. And it didn't obviously last that long. But yeah, hopefully the boys, could, Leeds can obviously do something about it because they deserve to stay up. You know, yeah. I, think, I think Leeds are definitely a side that need to be in the Premier League. Um, let's be honest, they've produced some of the best Aussies. Um, yeah, they've, well, they've had some of the best Australian, obviously, players play at the club, your Badukas and obviously your Harry Kules, Um, just you know, to name a couple, obviously. Um, but yeah, we'll talk a bit about, obviously, again, chat, sorry, um, I'll get through to some of the questions, obviously, as we go through. There's a few in there, obviously, about the A-League and stuff, which we'll leave sort of to the end. Yeah, it's full of shushes um, at the moment, because I was telling the daughter to shush, because she comes barging in here. <laughs> 
That's how that's how relaxed and how laid back the podcast is, mate. Straight straight out of one of the rooms. If it's not mine, uh-huh. it's yours. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what I was going to say, so yeah, we'll talk a bit about obviously your time at Fox Sports. Um, you know, your, your time in England. I could only imagine. You know, me obviously is a you know massive fan of the Premier League, and obviously you know just watching obviously the interviews, staying up till God knows the hours, and hmm. listening to some of the obviously the press conferences and obviously the interviews afterwards. It must have been a dream come true, mate. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, just something that I was in disbelief. I was able to experience from the start and something I never got tired of right until the end. I mean, I was, you know, I remember being as excited for my last few Premier League games as, as I was for my first year. Um, yeah. It's just an awesome, awesome experience. So I was very lucky to do five Premier League seasons and a couple of World Cups and, yeah, so much else, a couple of Ashes series and, Commonwealth Games, Davis Cup, so many Socceroos games all around the world in crazy places. Extremely fortunate. It was uh, just an absolute dream the whole way through. So very, very lucky and uh, memories to last a lifetime. About to say, it's, yeah, I mean, I... it's got to be the best job in the world. You get you get to travel and you get to yeah. watch football and you don't have to pay and you're getting paid to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure there was a better job in the world for, uh, for yeah. five years if you're an Australian sports fan than the one mm. I had. I, I don't make any arguments with that whatsoever so yeah it was it was pretty amazing so i was very fortunate but let me tell you i while i received those messages a lot best job in the world and all that and people saying i'm so jealous i appreciated every moment i never took it for granted so hopefully that uh you know allows people to understand where i'm coming from on it and yeah let's be let's be honest it wasn't it wasn't given to you You worked your ass off obviously to get where you were to get the opportunity to go um, yeah, those places as well, wasn't? Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about England. Obviously, five five seasons. Um, some of some of the best seasons, obviously, as well. I'm guessing what you were there for the um, the Aguero moment yeah. with City. Um, final game, obviously, is, uh, Leicester. Leicester as well. The magic, mm. the magic from five hundred and one to one or whatever it was to win the title and so forth. What? What are some of the what are some of your memorable moments? Obviously, um, every time over there. Yeah, well, five of my seasons. I mean, three of the most iconic moments in Premier League history. I was I was lucky enough to be there for the Aguero goal. Mm. That was in my first season there, and I mean, that's just you're sitting there in disbelief that this was actually unfolding um, in terms of a sporting occasion before your eyes. Just absolutely remarkable, and the you know, that winning goal and celebrations afterwards, just absolutely insane. And the game before at the Eddie had when City beat United to leapfrog them into first position. I mean, in a derby game to do that, wow. I mean, that was a ridiculous game as well. So that season and then, you know, a few seasons later, Liverpool's surge for their first mm-hmm. title, which obviously ended in um, in on-field a tragedy from Steven Gerrard's point of view with the, the slip that will be remembered forever. But this that whole season, that whole story, I mean... You know, people often say to me, you know, they must kill you as a Liverpool fan. And yeah, it hurts. But I've got great memories from that season as well. Liverpool mm. smashing Arsenal 5-2, being 4-1 up inside 20 minutes, doing the yeah. double over United. Some of the wins that, other wins like against Tottenham and White Hart Lane, smashing them. The football that Suarez, Sturridge and Sterling played together. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, I got to see some you know, Anfield rocking at its absolute best and some Great games from the team that I enjoy. And yeah, it didn't end well, but uh, that's still an experience that oh. I'll cherish that season. And then Leicester. Leicester, which is just yeah. for me the greatest on-field sporting achievement yeah. we've ever seen. Uh, in my mind, that we're winning the league. It's just something we'll never, ever see again. So yeah, I mean, that's to be there for that all the way through the second half of the season, going to Leicester pretty much every week towards the end. Uh, just brilliant. And the celebrations when they won the title, being there for that. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I'll speak about that for forever and a day. I mean, it it yeah. almost echoes the the Leicester thing. A lot of people compare it to to um Blackburn's win in the um in the early nineties. But you get a they they say that, and then my immediate response is, but yeah, Black uh, Blackburn went out and bought the previous year's top goal scorer of the English Premier League to be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, Blackburn. Where Leicester were relative, uh, yeah, you know, mid table players at, at the very best. Yeah, there's no comparison. It's just not. It's just, it just no. shouldn't be mentioned in the same breath. What Leicester exactly. did was just Herculean and heroic. They they were a team tipped for relegation that won the league. How does that happen? It's the oh. Premier League's not designed for that. 
So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's zero comparison really when it comes to that. Again, it's good to see, obviously, as well, just the simple fact that money doesn't buy everything. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like, well, more often than not, it does. That's what makes well, it so yeah, so, correct. Yeah, every now and again, something crazy pops up like this, but more often than not, it does buy you success, <laughs> which is exactly. uh, which is why their their, their uh, achievement is to be celebrated forever. Yeah, absolutely, um, I'm sure Melbourne City, its time will come eventually. <laughs> With the money, what are you what are you crapping on about, Ben? Oh, nothing. I was laughing at what you just mentioned, but also what Lockie's come into the chat with. Oh, I did. I did see that. <laughs> we'll get. We'll get. Get this one because this ties in with what I was going to say next about interviews and some of the best interviews and that you've had. Um, Lockie Mars popped in with was my interview in Brazil 2014 one of the best highlights um, of all your interviews. <laughs> so Lockie, Lockie is speaking about I think he was there with the Fanatics and yep. uh, the 2014 World Cup and we basically went to a lot of their events and there was a, a game they played Mark Bosnich and Stan Lazaridis both played in it against the local Brazilian team and all the Fanatics boys had a bit of a run I think and uh, yeah, Lockie was involved and to be honest I was just so spellbound by his football quality that I just had to interview him during that game I mean it's just some of the most sumptuous football you've ever seen from an individual from Lockie Mar. so yeah, he made it onto Fox Sports after that. Look, it's not in my top 275 interviews I've, I've ever done, but uh, <laughs> maybe just outside of that. I was about Lockie's to say, I was about to say Carl, Carl, Laurie, are you hearing this? Get him off the stretcher bearer. Get him on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. One He's of, a good man, Lockie. Very nice young lad. Very nice. Yeah, boy. He's a good Absolutely. lad. Absolutely. What a, what, a, what a time. What a, um experience again, talking about experiences. But before we get into, obviously, a few World Cups and everything else, we'll go back to your interviews. I'm sure... You know, the amount of interviews you've done, the the stars, the footballers, um, you know, the talent, I suppose, as well. What what's some of the best interviews you've you've done? Obviously, we'll say, yeah, not obviously like your Mourinho's and sort of the sort of the people that can probably hit you with anything, if not sledge you. Yeah. <laughs> They're just those <laughs> blokes that just you have no idea what's gonna what's gonna come out of their mouth and you go, shit, this could go either way here. Yeah. Um what are some of the best that you've done? Yeah, I mean I think the in terms of the big names, I mean the Mourinho one, the Balotelli one, mm. you know, Wayne huh. Rooney, Lampard, Van Persie, Van Hal. There's so many and I'm proud of all of them, to be honest. Um and they all went went pretty well. So yeah, they're all great memories and great experiences. The one that I'm probably proudest of is actually not a Premier League star, it's probably the interview I did with Holger Oshik after we got uh, destroyed by France, France 6-0 yeah. in Paris and he was sacked hours later. Um, and that's mm. a pretty daunting experience. Like, yeah. You'd have to be a pretty sick person in the head to actually enjoy interviewing someone about their job, which is likely going to go. Yeah. Like, It's not a good experience. And I'm sitting there. Well, before the game, I remember thinking, okay, if they get done heavily here, he's going to be sacked and I've got to do this interview after the game and it's not going to be pleasant. So to be yeah. honest, I was just hoping we lost like 2-0 and then the pressure's off a little bit. He'll, they'll cop that and uh, and no damage will be done and away he goes and we can just do a normal interview because it's not an yeah. enjoyable experience for anyone. Yeah, especially but with especially with a loss like that when you, you sort of sit there, even as a fan, you sit, well, the writing's got to be on the wall. Well, yeah, I mean, at halftime, it's 4-0. So I'm like, all right, well, this is, I mean, he's gone. He's just not going to survive this. So I've mm. got to, it's time as a journalist, you've got to assess the moment. You've got to get the moment spot on. But that was an obvious one where you've got to go him here pretty heavily about his job and about where this team is. Um so, you know, I did, I thought about my questions pretty carefully and built it up to, you know, the big ones, you know, do you have, does the team have confidence in you? Do you accept that your job is now under, under scrutiny? And these sorts of questions. And, and Holger pretty, was pretty stern in his responses. Mm. Uh, but what I liked about him is, although he could give it to the media and be pretty tense, he always stood there, copped it and was ready for the next question. He wasn't like some of the, the managers or players we see today who get a little bit sensitive and walk off or, you know, don't mm. answer the next question. He was, he copped it and it's like, all right, we'll bring on the next one. And um, basically at the end of the interview, he admitted that he wasn't sure if he had the faith of the players anymore. And that was a pretty strong giveaway. Made no yeah. difference. That already made the decision to sack him, of course. But uh, that was one interview that stood out because it was not an easy situation. And, and I think I'm, I, I did it pretty well. And, uh, and thankfully, Holger was willing to answer all the questions as well. So fair play to him. So yeah, that was, uh, that's one that stands out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Balotelli would have been an interesting one. He's a he's a special <laughs> character. Um, yeah, he was. I'm sure he he's was. got. I'm sure he's got some brains these days. I'm sure he's grown up a little bit from what he 
when well, he was well, even even then I was you know pretty certain that it, his intelligence is there mm. that was obvious but mm. even spending 10 minutes with him doing an interview the, the one thing I took away is is that the maturity just wasn't there I felt like I was talking to a teenager like yeah. smart enough you know but just you know when you're a teenager what were we like you're a bit moody you're a bit of a know-it-all you know just got a bit of a chip on your shoulder about things at times and that's just what that's what my takeaway from my interview with him he gave me some great answers and I warmed yeah. him up and we had a nice chat in the end and he smiled and we had some good grabs but I just went this guy's just he just hasn't matured and he may not by the time his career ends and let's be honest he hasn't hit the heights that he should have when you look at his talent yeah um and that's the way I I, I viewed him he's just someone who just too late of a bloomer and by the time he's ready to mature his football career will be over yeah, no, I'd 100% um, agree with that. Um, Lockie's, uh, Ben, you got Lockie's there? Uh, yeah, and that is, what does Garby think of the current Socceroo system in our youth? Who will replace Timmy in our next crop of strikers for the Socceroos? Yeah, well, that's going to be one of the one. more interesting battles heading into uh, Qatar 2022 and the next phase of qualifiers because... You know, Arnie's got to probably settle on someone. It's, it's easy in the first round where, you know, you're winning most of your games pretty comfortably to play a Jamie McCarron and play an Adam Taggart into form. But in the second phase of qualifiers, when things get tough and every point means so much to get to Qatar, you've really got to settle on your striker to, to get you those goals. But then, you know, if you do make the World Cup, you know you need a scorer. So it's going to be a battle between those two at the moment, McLaren and, and Taggart. I would think maybe Apostolos Giannou, who actually played pretty well at the Asian Cup, if somebody mm. can come mm. through. Nikita Rukovic is another one who's scoring a lot of goals in Israel who you wouldn't just yeah. discard just yet. And then there's also the chance of playing one of the midfielders through there, be it Matty Leckie, or wingers, sorry, Matty Leckie or Martin Boyle. I was about to say, yeah, at the moment, at the moment, my shouts for Martin Boyle after what yeah, he played well, on the weekend. But Boyle can play out wide as well, so you can yeah, still fit very one of them around McLaren or, or Taggart. But those are options. And then even Tommy Rogic as a, as a false nine, but I don't think that will happen. So mm. he's got options there, but it's very hard to know who's going to be that player right now. If you're going to pick yeah. a true striker, I mean, probably McLaren at the moment. He's probably just a, the best finisher we've got, so you'd probably go for him. But, you know, it's a very even call between him and, and Adam Taggart. That'll play out over time. He has got options, but... There isn't that one Timmy Cahill type, Mark Viduka type, Harry Keel type. I can play him there in a World Cup game and I'm confident he can score a goal. We don't have that yet. And yeah. that's obviously yeah. a big concern. We haven't had that for a while. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, obviously. I think but you and I were only talking about this the other day, Ben, obviously. Um, I think it was to Adam Peacock, obviously, about the Socceroos and yeah. what's to come, obviously, with everything going on. And I think the youngsters and stuff like that, and obviously a lot of the A-League players at the moment are probably looking like getting probably say more of a chance, obviously um, just with obviously everything going on. And, you know, I can't imagine, you know, a lot of clubs over there wanting to send their players if they don't sort of have to and everything else. So we might see obviously a lot more um, crop of the A-League talent pool, obviously going forward. Um, the young bloke from Melbourne, is it Mel- Western United at the moment. Um, oh, Stamets a lot of us. No, Max, no, no. Max Burgess. Max Burgess. Oh, Maxie. Burgess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously he's not young, um, twenty five I think he is at the moment. But at the same time, he was brilliant. He was playing. He's playing some good football. Mm. Um, you know, even maybe like Izani hasn't really been mentioned anymore as well. He was meant to be obviously the next, you know, new beaut thing. But, oh, he's got um, he's got he's got his move to um, Utrecht, and he seems to be performing one. well. He needed to get out of Celtic, as far as I'm concerned. I think. Oh yeah, I oh, think, yeah. I think yeah. yeah, that was I think that was a bit too much too quick. Yeah, I think he left too soon, in my opinion, on that one. Um, what do we got here? Where'd it go? I just saw you know. I'm lucky. My first pass was to Stan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think Stan Bosnich pretty, well, I believe Bosnich wasn't letting go of the ball to take the penalty in, in one of those in one of those games. <laughs> <laughs> like, Give me the ball. I'm taking the penalty. Bosnich taking penalties. I've seen everything. Um, I've just lost it because everyone's now commenting. I think it was the the most interesting place that you've um, you've been with the Socceroos? Oh, well, I mean, I've been to, yeah. <laughs> to many, but the two that yeah. stand out that won't be beaten easily are Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. Um, no, yeah. You know, just a world away from places that you, you live in 
obviously in Australia and other parts of the world like London, just a complete world away and such a unique experience and didn't really know what to uh, expect. And now these are countries that were part of the old USSR that have all been broken up, obviously, mm-hmm. since they um, obviously emerged from, from the old system. And they just seemed like countries that were, were stuck in, in the 90s, if you like, because they were part of the old communist regime. They're just so far behind current day times. But that made it so brilliant and so beautiful because the people were just fantastic. And the experiences we had, like watching a game of dead goat polo, which is their local sport, just mm. mind boggling. And then the game, like watching Australia against them. I mean, the joy that these locals had having yeah. Australia in their country, it was just infectious. And uh, just love that. And you just see how powerful football is and how privileged we are to come from a country like Australia when you see how happy these kids and the locals were to have us there. You know, it's not something we should ever take for granted. So, yeah, I, I really um, enjoy those experiences. I've been to many places, all great. But yeah. those two, in terms of unique visits, stand out because mm. I'll never go back there, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. Um, uh, I've got one here, four. mate, from Nico. Oh, yeah. And it's oh, a yes. really interesting one. Garby. The worst and best away match in the Premier League. The worst and best. The worst is easy because I went to the away away? game. Uh, No, I'll get to it. So the worst is an away game at Fulham because in the middle of winter, it is the coldest place on earth. When the wind whips off the Thames and then comes into that open stadium and you're standing in the away section in the middle of winter for a night game, I don't think I've ever been colder in my life. So that uh, certainly stands out for me in terms of an away visit. But, you know, there's so many great ones. The best, was it the best home trip or the best away visit as well? What best away visit again? as well. Best away visit that I, that I had. Um, I remember going to, I mean, most of the time I, I sat in the media section. So mm. it's, it's a bit different. But I did go to a few away section games with as a Liverpool fan. I, I remember going to Stamford Bridge when we knocked them off in the League Cup semi to make the League Cup final. And, and that was awesome. That was a great night. And uh, yeah, sitting with the Liverpool fans and enjoying that is something I'll cherish as well. So uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get some tickets for away end games. But uh, you know, most of the time I was in the media area. But that didn't stop me, let me tell you, from a soaking up the atmosphere and just quietly giving it to the away fans, even from the media section, if I could get away with it. Liverpool, <laughs> all the home fans of Liverpool had managed to, uh, to score. So yeah. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Craven Cottage is the world, I was about to say hotspot, but cold spot. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Schwartz has sat there in goals for freaking God knows how long. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine just sitting around there doing nothing? <laughs> um. <laughs> Obviously, Nico is a massive. He's a, he's born and bred Geordie, so um, some of the craziest fans <laughs> down there, obviously at the, the tune, so. yeah, the tune army, the tune army. So, now nah, thanks for the question, mate. Any more you got? Whack him in there. Um, I was talking about obviously. What do you think? Well, obviously, you know, Qatar, Qatar, two thousand and twenty-two. Um, crazy times. Obviously, I, I believe it's going to be sort of in. De- they were talking about December, weren't they? I believe for the for the hosting it obviously what what do you think you know how do you, th- how do you think we're going to shape up leading into it obviously everything going on let's be honest i don't think we've got a the squad that we did even say four years ago in my opinion um how, how do you think we're going to fare obviously through the qualifiers a little bit more tougher yeah. than what previous years oh, it's going to be very yeah. tough to qualify of course i mean we've seen that now through the last world cup remember we had to go through two playoffs to make the last world cup so we got yeah. through by the skin of our teeth there and uh Look, there's going to be more teams for Qatar, so that should make it a bit easier. But, you know, the other nations in Asia are improving rapidly and, and we're dropping off. So it's going to be tough still. And then if we are lucky enough to get there, well, you know, getting out of the group would be an achievement that's way beyond our expectations because, you know, we don't have a, a crash shot squad at the moment and it's going to be tough. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see some big improvement under Graham Arnold in the next two years. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a very difficult thing to do. And the main problem is, as we discussed before, we don't have true... Out and out goal scorers, and you need them to win your big mm. games, of course. So that's going to be uh, an issue for him to uh, to solve. But the World Cup in itself, I think, will be an interesting one. Obviously, controversial yeah. for obvious reasons. It's yeah. been much pu- much publicised. But I think once it all starts, it'll be fine. Um, you know, mm. Qatar. I've been lucky enough to be there a couple of times for Socceroos games, and one of the benefits of it, and anyone who's ever been to a World Cup, I mean, 
traveling around is good fun, but it's also taxing. It's also tough mm. getting around to different cities in a World Cup. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things that, yeah, you enjoyed at the end, but doing it is a bit of a, a pain in the backside sometimes. Qatar, it's such a small place that getting around to games is actually going to be really easy. So I think the fans who do go will actually enjoy that side of things and you just be a bit more relaxed and uh, have a drink and enjoy yourself and just go to the games. Probably go to two or three games in a day. It's so uh, everything will be so close together. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. Everyone start saving your pennies. I was about to say <laughs> two or three games in a day. That's that's that, that's a footballer's that that's a football fan's dream. That is absolutely, mate. All for all for that. That's great. Um, John Wells put in here. Other than Europe, uh, what would be the ideal country for an Aussie to develop? Um, options between North America, South America, or Asia. Um, for an Aussie to develop outside of Europe, good question. Probably Japan. I think probably the J League right now. I mean, you know, South America would be very difficult to adjust to culturally. Um, the MLS in America would be nice, but is the standards mm. high enough? It's getting there. I think if you had to pick a, a place outside of Europe, the J League would probably be it for an Australian to develop, no doubt, because... The technical quality is so high. Um, it's going to it's going to help your chances of making the Socceroos because it's Asia connected, and yep. if you do well there, well, you know, people respect the league enough that you get opportunities in Europe. So I'd say the J League would probably be the best place outside of Europe. So, and I yeah. suppose that's why a lot of A League players tend to, when they do make a transfer move recently, it's it's either to a Saudi Arabia or a J League or a K League. It's it's relatively close to home, so they're still in Graham Arnold's eyesight. And he doesn't have to worry about bringing players from further abroad into that Socceroo squad. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, look, let's be honest, the main reason they go to the Middle East, and that is for the money. Um, yeah, that that's too. why they go that there and for a very good reason. But Japan's different. Japan is, they, you know, they often go for, for the football and to, mm. to really, you know, grow as footballers as well. So that's a big reason for that. Yeah, obviously. Um, what, what's your thoughts? Obviously, we've seen, obviously, Moy go over. Um, you know, leave England. I believe Matty Ryan's obviously the only one, only Aussie left there at the moment. Um, do you do you feel that obviously you know we, we need to see more sort of players getting to England? Obviously, I know Janwell obviously tried, sort of ruled it out of Europe, but in my opinion, as I suppose getting to places like that isn't a bad thing. I think obviously the development and obviously the training is obviously a game world class. For me, um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you've been around the media and stuff over there. Obviously, I'm sure you've been to, you know, training pitches and obviously, you know, stuff like that. What, what's it like? Is it in compared to say the A-League? <clears throat> completely different in China? No, no, in in Europe, right. so in England, in England yeah. and stuff like that. So if you go, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it varies from club to club. Obviously, I mean, yeah, there's some of course, that are, that are well set up that are professional outfits. But I mean, you know, I've been to clubs that are League One. And so on, where you know it's 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 really primitive. I mean, mm. I remember going to see Maslawongo and interview him the day he got his Socceroos call up for the first time, and they gave us Wellington boots to get out to the training ground um, because the mud was, you know would have reached up to our to our knees basically. And that's why I admire what Harry Kiel's done because he's really gone down to, yeah. to the basement level in order to to make it as a coach. And you know, someone of his stature would just be honest enough money that he doesn't have to worry about things like that. Um, it's just an amazing effort, I think, to, to really push it as a as a coach. So, yeah, I mean, every club's different, but those Premier League clubs are, are amazing setups. I mean, those training grounds and oh, they're just unbelievable. Um, the amount of pitches, the quality of the pitches, the setups, just brilliant. And uh, you know, even a club like West Brom, for example, where I've been to see Jason Davidson train. I mean, just a fantastic place to go about your work. So. Yeah, we'd love to see more Aussies there, of course, but uh, it's just much harder nowadays. And uh, obviously, we don't have the same quality coming through. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Um, well, I know our youth facilities are pretty well top-notch too for a championship club. They've got to be these days, I suppose. It's just, yeah, it's one of those things. If you've got the money, that's probably one of the first things that they obviously try and pump in there. Uh, what have we got? Aiden's putting in thoughts on Tim Cahill and how he's been offered um, to promote Qatar? Um, oh, I don't really know too much about that, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah I can understand the controversy surrounding it because mm. of the human rights issues and, you know, the way in which they got the World Cup and the fact that Australia um, obviously went for that World Cup and didn't get it. And there's yeah. you know, lots of speculation as to why that didn't happen. So 
I can understand the questions being asked of it. Those are more than justified. Um, but Tim's not the only ambassador for Qatar. They've got plenty Obviously, of footballers on their books, plenty of big names. So, you know, but yeah, the people who question him for that, um, I think, you know, there's some validity there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we've talked a little bit about the A League in general. Obviously, it's yeah, it's changed so much. Obviously, I'm sure since yeah, you obviously joined Fox Sports and yeah, developed obviously for the better in ways. But obviously, now with with obviously everything that's going on and you know, let's be honest. Obviously, even today, I think um, Steve Taylor obviously has left Wellington. Um, yeah, who was the other one? Uh, who was the other? Oh, one? Gary Hooper. Gary Hooper was left as well, didn't he? Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you think that's gonna we're going to probably see more of that in the oh, coming months? Doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. It's, I think it's pretty grim at the moment. I mean, the foreigners that are leaving are concerning. We're not going to be able to replace them with the same level at the moment because of the financial difficulties, obviously. And it's not so much the foreigners. I just think the Aussie players that are, are going, like some Mitch Duke and Dimi Petrados and others like that, and then the young players are going to take little you know, offers from, from elsewhere as well you've got to worry about the standard of the competition. The silver lining there, yes, is that young players are going to come through and get more opportunities. That's great. But those players will get the chances anyway. And we do have to worry about the standard of the league. We do have to worry about the the sex appeal of the product because, you know, we want the deal to the the league to have a good broadcast deal, um, of course. And uh, without that, you know, we get into a very tricky financial position. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really concerned, really concerned about the future of the A-League. You have to be. It's, that's the reality right now. There's one year left on a broadcast deal and what happens after that, it's hard to know. And when you look at it now and the, the pay deal the players are being asked to accept, mm-hmm. which is not flash, and then the yeah. foreigners that are leaving and the players that are taking up other options, yeah. it's going to be very hard to generate excitement around the competition. And I hope the owners have got a plan because as it stands right now, a lot of people in the game are deeply concerned about it's the future of the league. Yeah. And, and, you know, I suppose it's, yeah, well within the right. Obviously, as you said, they're looking at obviously... Um, Slashing the, the cap. The, sal- the cap's obviously going to be cut. I think they were talking around the, you know, the one and a half mil, roughly around that sort of figure, and which obviously isn't ideal. Um, you know, we've had obviously a few... We had Laurie on the other week. We've had, you know, coaches and everything else on. And, you know, same thing. Obviously, it's, obviously if they've got a family, if these international players have got families and everything else... Chances of them coming over here and getting them here is going to be hard enough as it is. And the ones that are here now, obviously, they're going to be looking at going home just because of what's going on. And, you know, it's, um, as you said, yeah, it's, it's scary to think. And as you said, what we've got one year deal, one left, one year left, obviously, in the deal and of broadcasting. But even if that happens, even if we get the one year out of them, it's going to be interesting. But where does it go? Where do you, you know, off to sports or, you know, they yeah. um, I don't even think they've come in with an offer, you know? Like, oh, well, it doesn't really make business sense for them in terms nah. of the A-League. I mean, if they get it for a cheap price, then maybe. Yeah. Um, but they don't seem to be interested in paying a lot for it. Um, you know, Fox certainly won't be looking to pay much money for it. And Fox could keep it, but they'd want to do so at a heavily reduced price. Mm. Um, and then from there, who knows? I mean, yes, they can look into setting up their own service, you know, FFA TV or whatnot. But that costs a lot of money to set up, a fortune, yeah. and yeah. to run. And you need a lot of subscriptions for that. So... You know, right now, as it stands, it doesn't seem like the financial position is going to be anywhere near where it is right now, and that's worrying. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost like we've taken 15 years to get to this point. We've done all the right things, well, right right things in a, in a roundabout way to get the league to where it is now and steadily increase that salary cap, and it's all just been slashed down in three months' worth of trouble. Yeah, but they've made too many mistakes as well. I mean, yeah. you know, unfortunately, the, the lower-level sports in this country outside of uh, the AFL, the NRL, and uh, cricket, mm. the three big codes in the country, yep. they just can't afford to make mistakes. Mm. Look at the NBL, look at rugby union, and obviously football. They've all made little errors over the journey when they were in strong positions, and they've come back tenfold as a result. And unfortunately, they just can't afford to do that. Just, we don't have the, the population size to allow us to, to make those mistakes. And... Uh, that's the big concern right now for, for football is, is rectifying that. And they've made errors, getting caught up in political battles and things mm-hmm. like that. And just um, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of football shooting itself in the foot, which has yeah. just been really concerning. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I hope they can rectify it. But obviously, there's, there's not much confidence. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Ben and I have um, been lucky enough to interview a few of the girls um, over the last couple of months, obviously, when you know, sitting around sort of doing nothing. and. 
just been gobsmacked by obviously you know just talking to a couple of the girls obviously you know who love the sport and want to play what you know, want to play here i mean they don't as they've said they don't want to travel if they don't have to yeah um you know they've all got families they're still studying and everything else and everything else but even a lot of them still know, have full-time all, jobs well, that's it that's it a lot of them are still working full-time you know um but just four four month contracts you know what i mean like i me and ben nearly fill up a chair when um tara, told told us us that. tara so, andrews tara, tara andrews yeah we're talking to tara yeah and she was saying that yeah, oh, you know, that's it. We've only got four month contracts. It's sort of starts at the yeah. preseason or whatever it is, and the day after the grand final, that's it. I mean, and it's always the- worded in the media that it's you know, X player has signed on for this season, but then you actually break it down into how many months it is, and you actually you know you do the math and stuff, and actually, you know, the the light bulb flicks on in the back of your head where you turns around and goes, well, hang on, yeah, okay, they've signed for one season, but the season's not very long. It's only four months. That's like less than half a year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me that's one thing that definitely needs to change. Obviously, we've got the World Cup um, for the Matildas, yeah, the World Cup. Um, which obviously you would hope helps um, ma- massively. Obviously, in bringing clubs over and sorry, countries over to watch and um, obviously playing and everything else. But you know, let's be honest, it's definitely for me not one of the places where people are going to want to come, especially for sort of short term contracts. You know, maybe a summer deal from America, like we've seen, but. Again, the money factor for me comes in. What do you think? Um, what do you, what do you think is going to happen moving forward with the women's game? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a big issue here because it's great that our players are going over to Europe yeah. and getting those offers. That's fantastic, but uh, obviously the W League suffers. So, look, I think the women's game will be fine because there's so much momentum around it as a whole that um, you know the World Cup is going to be just fantastic, and so many young girls are going to be keen to getting involved in. In, in women's football that they'll go and watch the W League and get involved because it's just a good vibe around it. So they'll be okay. But it's, you know, a shame that we're going to, not going to have top talent running around in the league. It makes it difficult from a media point of view. But uh, ultimately, the next three years are going to be fantastic. And everything the Matildas do is going to be exciting. And hopefully they can, you know, finish that off and cap that off with, um, with either a medal at the Olympics, which would be great, or, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. a big achievement at the World Cup on home soil, which we can't wait for. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, yeah. So the girls obviously have obviously have gone over to Europe, doing it great. Um, I watched, watched Chelsea play yesterday. I think it was whatever nine nil. I think it ended up. Um, you know, it's good to see Sam Kerr score the winner. Um, final goal <laughs> <laughs> popped up when she was when she was needed. You know, just to finish them off. But um, yeah, again, it's good to see. Obviously, it's good to see that we've got some decent talent. Obviously, in the Matildas, and you know, it's again, it's looking strong. Um, coming up to the World Cup, which hopefully we'll do well in. Um, what do we got here? Channel 7, save the A-League or Fox. Nah, I don't think it's going <laughs> to end up going free to air. They're not going to pay. They're not going to want to pay as much for it. They're going to want to pay even less than one of Fox or a, or an Optus Sports or something will want to pay for it. Yeah. I can't, I can't see it going free to air. Delbridge has interest from Bangladesh. Well, that'll do me. Uh, um, that's good interesting luck good luck to him but who plays in the Bang- Bangladesh League I, I couldn't even tell you so good luck to him Garby do you know <laughs> no so I can't he's imagine been, been over. a player of such talent will consider going to, uh, to Bangladesh so nah, no, sure. I would not put a line through that one unless he wants to kill his football career completely yep alrighty with COVID being as bad as it has been do you think this will have a long term effect on the FFA Cup no, not long term. I think the FFA Cup is is critical for the game moving forward. Um, no, I think that would be a ridiculous decision if they were to uh, scrap the FFA Cup or, or take it away even next year. I mean, we didn't finish it off this season, remember? So yeah. that was hugely disappointing. Now, the Cups, you know, a lot of people talk about the lack of connection between the grassroots level and the top brass in football and the need for a second division, which I concur, it's important. But the FFA Cup has also been doing that. That's been a great initiative of the FFA. And let's yeah. not forget how brilliant a competition that's been and how much joy it's given us. So, yeah, bring that back as soon as we can from the start of uh, the upcoming season. In fact, I think qualifiers may have already started. So, uh, yeah, I don't see any um, any issues with that moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, love a good FFA play. Cup match. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing better than watching, obviously, the lower leagues and 
stuff like that obviously you know beats central coast it's great yeah there's nothing <laughs> better than watching liam boland score an absolute banger for green gully against coach and uh, against the coast and then their manager gets sacked the next day <laughs> well we get to stand there fox pick us out for being the only jet supporters in the crowd because we're wearing jet shirts you gotta you gotta you gotta knock, you gotta you gotta kid them while, while they're down i suppose um what have we got here? General's put in here. I know it's ambitious, but what about a Brazilian league system for A League? Um, whole year period, but quick changeovers. I have no idea the whole on the concept of the Brazilian. I, I think it's better. more a a league that runs calendar year, not. Um, if that makes any sense, so it runs yeah. from a January to a December instead of a like a mid year break as we do at the moment. Mm, mm. Um, thoughts on that, Gab? If you, you, you uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think I don't think we got the finances to operate something like that. Unfortunately, let's bring some Brazilian talents over by all means. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, let's go there for holidays and enjoy World Cups there and Brazilian football. <laughs> but uh, you know, we don't have the uh, the finances to run a, a full year round uh, competition. Unfortunately, let's try and just rectify what we've got for the moment. Absolutely, Do you reckon we might be able to string the boots back on Roberto Carlos for a ten game stint. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd, I'd still see it, even at his age now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah why, why not? Um, you see him in those bloody charity matches and everything else. Yeah. And bloody, was it like Arsene Wenger wasn't that long ago he bloody strapped the boots on? So, yeah. Why not? Why not, I suppose? Um, we're going to start wrapping up chat. So, if you've got any final questions in there as well, that'd be great. Um, I was going to say to you, obviously, you know, you've, you've obviously had some memorable times, obviously, at Fox. Um, obviously, it doesn't have to be football related. Obviously, you said you've been done the Ashes and everything else. Um, what's probably the three most in, the three things that stand out for you? Like, you know, memorable moments. Obviously, we spoke about the Leicester one. Um, but is there anything else? Thoughts related? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's so many. I mean, the Ashes were, were great experiences. Loved them. I mean, covered a couple of British Opens. They were. Wonderful as well, and, and you can't beat the World Cups. I mean, the World Cups covering the Socceroos at the World Cup is just awesome. Uh, just every single day is full of energy and excitement. So, yeah, they're there. World Cups, Premier League seasons, and uh, you know, probably the Ashes would be the top three, the top three things that I was able to cover. Um, yeah. Just amazing experiences all the way through. So, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, boys. Oh, oh, you're right. It was um, no, it's not COVID. I promise you. It's all. I was about to say that. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, just great. All great memories all the way through. It's very, very lucky. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, I suppose the other question, obviously, you know, you've, you've obviously um, finished up with Fox. What's next for you, mate? What, what are you? What, what are you? What are your plans? Obviously, you have got the podcast running at the moment. Um, if you haven't seen that, be sure to go check it out. There was an interview. The other, the other week or last month, I think it was, with um, Jamie Carragher, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Absolutely <laughs> champion bloke. Um, but obviously, there's a few others in there. What, what What's in the future for you, mate? What's Yeah, so I'm just freelance at the moment. The podcast is going well, and I've got a few other gigs on the side. I've, I'm doing some stuff with Betfair football-related, which is, mm-hmm. has been really enjoyable with them. Nice connection doing their football analysis for them. Um, so that's been great. And I've got um, a few other contracts, which is uh, is enjoyable. So... Just freelance at the moment and uh, and doing that and, and happy with it. But uh, yeah, the podcast is going well. So brace with Garby on all your podcast network. Have a listen to it. And yeah, Jamie Carragher's great. There's a few other Australian football legends, Brett yeah. Holman and Mila Yedinak have both been good enough to join me on the uh, on the pod. And there'll be more to come and uh, and other sporting greats as well. That I'm sure people will enjoy listening to some really fun stories. So yeah. tune in. Um, I'm sure you'll like it. Absolutely. Yeah. So guys, be sure go go check it out. Um... I'm listening to it at the moment on Spotify, so obviously it's pretty much everywhere these days with the podcast. So, um, any final ones there? Thoughts on MacArthur? Um, I think they'll be pretty good on the field. Yeah, I mean, Ante Milicic is a, a coach who's ready to step into the A League, and they've signed pretty well with the likes of Adam Federici in goals. Can't wait to see him in the competition and a mm-hmm. few others. They got mm-hmm. some concerns. Let's be honest; some of their off-field dealings have been pretty controversial, considering they've only been. In the uh, in the league for or well, haven't even been in the league, whereby they kicked a ball in anger yet, and mm-hmm. yet some of the off-field ructions are, yeah, less than desirable. Let's put it that way. So that's a worry. But um, you know, it'd be nice to have another team in and uh, to have an even competition. And I think they've got a nice stadium and a nice supporter base. And some of their work off-field has been pretty good as well. So 
Yeah, looking forward to them coming in. Let's be honest, that'll be uh, you know a big talking point going into the new season from a positive point of view amid a lot of negativity. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting um, to see what happens there. Um, your thoughts on the next team that should be in coming into the A-League? Obviously, you know, there's been so much talk with your Canberra's and obviously the Wollongong obviously having a bit as well and even even another team over in Perth maybe. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts in extending... Well, the Canberra bid has been impressive one, so they should look into that in great detail. Um, I think Tasmania had some potential pluses to it, but uh, that didn't happen, and now the NBL's got the jump on the A-League. So, you know, whether that is the way to go in the future, I don't know, but maybe they should still look at that one. But Canberra looks like it's leading the way, certainly, and uh, they should probably... Look at moving that forward, but let's be honest, before we expand the league, uh, we need to get the league right and we need to shore up the finances because there's 100%. no point bringing in a new team right now if you know, they haven't got the finances to run the competition at a level that we like. So sort that out first and then let's go with the, uh, with the expansion. But Canberra's making the most noise at the moment and for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's, it's a must happen. Um, yeah, Ben and I have spoken to it and so many different levels, obviously, between the, you know, the AIS and obviously the fact that they've already got a girls side obviously the youth system and everything else there for me it's a no-brainer it has to happen and yeah. i believe it should have happened before macarthur and western. western united but i suppose it is what it is and hopefully they'll get there eventually um julian how are you mate um obviously massive no, massive liverpool liverpool, massive liverpool fan yeah he's part of the newcastle jets um liverpool supporter base official official supporter base down there now which is great um he said Welcome anytime. Come down and party with the lads. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. Thank you. Um, next time I'm in Nui and there's a game on, I might take you up on the offer. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch base, and obviously we always do. Yeah. You know, fundraiser sort of stuff, and yeah, get you down for a night, and obviously watch a watch footy. Watch the footy. It'd be great. Ah, mm. uh, what have we got? Final ones. Get your final ones in, lads. Quick, quick. Uh, are you missing Simon Hill and commentating oh, yeah. with him and everything that he did? Do you have any funny <laughs> stories about him? Um, yeah, so I miss I miss um, the podcast we did on a Monday for sure. Mm. Great, okay. always enjoyed that. Some spirited discussion and uh, and just pure football. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I do have a funny Simon story. So everyone knows he's a big Man City fan. So that first season when Man City won the league, <laughs> uh, so they played United where they won. And then that took them to the top of the table. Then they had two games left. They had to be Newcastle away to stay on top before they had that QPR game. Yeah. Newcastle away, Simon was there with me. We were both in the media area. And the media section is very open. I mean, the fans can all see you and they're not far away from you. And Simon said to me, mate, if, if Newcastle score, because it, it was nil all at half time, so it's getting pretty tense. And he's obviously very worked up, as you can imagine. And he just said to me, mate, if we score... I'm not going to be able to control myself. So you've got to hold me down or else the locals are going to, you know, really go for me because the fans can all see you in the media section. So I said, all right, all right, all right. And then Yaya Toure's finally scored the breakthrough goal in about the 80th minute or something. And he just has left to basically celebrate. And I'm holding his arm down. I think Simon, stay down, stay down, pinning his arms to the media desk. And eventually he came to grips with it and, and relaxed and said, thank you, mate. Thank you. Because... There was no controlling my body, and uh, the locals would have just gone for me. So, yeah, that's one moment that certainly stands out. And obviously some others that I can't repeat, but that's the stories on the road that stay on the road. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think I've just got sort of – I've got one there. Um, talk, talking about World Cups, obviously, we can't go past, obviously, Les Murray, absolute legend. Oh, Les. I know you obviously wouldn't have worked with him on anything, obviously, yeah, um, on a major level, unless you did, obviously. I, not that I know, but – um. Do you have any? Do you have any? Did you get any time with him? Obviously, at those World Cups. No, I never um, had any personal interaction with Les, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, I did show, share the story last week on Twitter because I was on the World Game uh, show, and uh, Les did call my name out for winning the NSL Goal of the Week competition in about 1995 or something, and I won an old Panasonic camcorder on the. Uh, on the Monday night Toyota World Sports Show. So yeah. that's the one connection I've got with Les, which is a memorable <laughs> one. Oh, I reckon that was the show my old man used to sit me down with, the old highlight show. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I remember those been... nights. Absolutely, absolutely. It's probably the, well, it was the best thing we could get back then, obviously, as a young yeah. kid. Yeah, you got, you you got, got an hour on a Monday night on SPS and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, exactly. Um, not too easy, mate. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. There's no real more questions coming in. Um, we do thank you, mate, for jumping on and obviously having a bit of a chat. Um, hope obviously everything goes well, as you said, with the podcast. Hope you, you know, get back into the full, full, you know, the full swing of things um, sooner rather than later. Maybe Optus Sports or something, mate. Take you on. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll yeah. Wait and see. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you having me. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as I said, once again, guys, be sure, jump on Spotify um, and all, obviously, everywhere you can find a podcast. Go check the podcast out. There's obviously some absolute Australian legends and obviously internationals as well, like your Jamie Carragher's and so forth. Um, yeah, and we'll speak to you soon, mate, anyway. Take it easy. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Yeah, have Thank a good you. night. You too. So, here, mate.